When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Comic Report wherever you get your podcast. You watch it on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Always. Much appreciated when you tune in. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about the case for and against Sam Howell going forward because there's a case to be made for him to stick in that position. And there's going to be a case to be made that maybe they look in a different direction through the draft or something like that. Anyways, it's on ESPN.com. Give it a read. Appreciate it. And also, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And I hope everybody has a good new year. Um, and always, as always, again, thanks for tuning in. Greatly, greatly appreciate it, especially during seasons like this where it has not gone to your liking. Anyways, the, I'm going to do my little Friday five. Got four four items and then talking a little bit about the game because they're still playing a game. And does it matter? Well, it does for draft position. So and in a negative way for this team. So anyway, to get to that in a minute, um, just a brief update on injuries. And we we're just out of practice. I'm going to recording this before we get the official injury report. But Brian Robinson was not on the field. He's got the hamstring injury. Charles Leno, Tyler Larson, neither one of them were on the field today, haven't practiced all week. And again, you can check back later on Twitter and whatever um, on ESPN.com to see about their injury status. I would say when you don't practice all week and for Robinson, you haven't played in a couple of games, doesn't look good for Sunday. So, so not good for them, for the team, but it's hard to imagine them playing. Anyway, let's get to my Friday five, starting with, it's a bounce back game for Sam Howell. And I think this is where, listen, you want to learn as much as you can about a kid. And when you have a game, and even he would say that was a bad game for him. It's funny because I know some of the people here are like, it wasn't as bad as people think, but Howell will tell you it was not a good game. And I agree. And there were some hiccups there and there were some plays that's like, could you have done this differently? Well, yes, of course. Um, but this is, you know, the kid's a tough kid. And I think one of the things that players like about him is his resiliency and ability to bounce back and not let one game impact how he plays going forward, understanding the rhythms of the quarterback position in one game, one series, one play might go bad. You still got to focus on the next play. And I think he does that pretty well. It's not all about him. There's obviously other factors that go into it. You can't just blame him uh, if it goes wrong, because whether it's uh, a block, whether it's a receiver, whether it's a play call, Sometimes it goes wrong and it could be all of that. It could be on how point is, I think they want to see how do you respond in a game like this? And um, there was clearly there's, you watch what, what Jacoby Brissett did. And it's like, would he be, would how be helped by sitting a game and watching him? And I'll get to that in a minute anyway. So it really, for him going forward, it's about decision-making anticipation. Are you throwing with more anticipation? Are you getting back to how you were during some of those better times and keep in mind, they're playing really good defenses now. And, you know, so a couple of things I wanted to go over is in, in when I did my little Tuesday review, talked about some of the Rams coverage and how they did a lot of movement right before the snap and post snap. 
and did that, how much of that affect his game? And like, you know, you watch and you think that it has an effect and then others disagree. That's why I like talking to people because maybe it enhances your knowledge of what you thought you saw during the game and, and the impact of what you saw during the game. And I think there's some people there I didn't hear that did not think it was as big a deal that the Rams didn't do more than a lot of other teams did. So it wasn't like this, that he was getting fooled by it a lot, but it certainly was effective. I'll say that. Um, and for a quarterback, you know, in Howell's case, because one of the things they talk about, like what happens in that situation? Like if you know there's going to be a lot of post-snap movement or movement right there, how are you going to, how are you going to handle that to make sure it doesn't affect you? And a lot of it is, you find the guy, obviously you're going to read the, one of the safeties. You got a safety you're going to read. Does he rotate? If he rotates over here, then you know it's this coverage and you're going over here. And sometimes it's just a glance out of the eye to see. You don't have to sit there and stare and like, mm, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? It's more like get the ball, take get that glance and see where it's going. Now you know what they're in. And then there are other plays too where it doesn't matter if it's man or zone. You've got the play and that's what you're going to run because it's designed to beat either. So it's not always about, oh, they got him because of this. And there are a couple of plays in particular that I talked about on Tuesday that I wanted to kind of go back over because you learn more about it. And one of the plays, there was one play early in the game where he throws like an eight yard pass to Antonio Gibson. I think it was like the fourth play of the game. And he has McLaurin on the left side in a one-on-one -on -one situation. Well, ends up to be one-on-one, -on -one, but it looks like a split safety a split safety look and it and it and it seems like the Rams rotate to almost like an inverted cover two. So the corner on the outside is going to drop back. So in that situation now, this backside safety, which would have been to Terry's side, starts to kind of inch to the middle because that's where Howell opens up. McLaurin wins off the line and it's going to be open. And so the question I always had, it wasn't so much the how make the wrong play, but is there something he could do to get over there? And yes, there is. Like if you read that pre-snap, you can communicate somehow with McLaurin or you just know like, all right, this is what I see. This is where I'm going to go. However, in this case, and this is what Howell also sees is a blitz coming to that side. You see that the safeties are, you know, you see the rotation with the, the front side, the play side safety drops in again, as if it's an inverted cover two. So you see that and that tells you here comes a blitz get the ball out over here. So, and he gets an eight yard gain. So part of me, again, you want, and it wasn't a criticism is they wonder, could you have done this? What's the, what's the method to getting over there? But the other part of this is you see that blitz coming. If he had sat there and said, well, I'm going to go to McLaurin. Well, maybe that blitz gets home and the safety backside safety actually stays. So it's more, it's not, it's, it's a cover two still. And so the safety is going to rotate over and now maybe you hold the ball and now maybe you get sacked. So he takes a night yard gain. There's It's a good decision there. But again, like sometimes, you, can you get there? Well, yes, there is a method to get there. And, but in this play, I think he handled it right. The other one was there was a throw down the sideline that was almost intercepted. It was a cover two shot to McLaurin. And one thing I wondered is, because and this is one thing I wondered, is because the play I just talked about, you see McLaurin having a one-on-one, -on -one, what appears to be a possible one-on-one -on -one situation over here. Is that why he goes there? And really what, you know, when you talk to people, what happens there is the corner is able to sink more because there's nobody underneath to occupy or to threaten him. So if you have another receiver coming underneath, that's where you can go. Now in that situation, maybe you don't throw it because you see the corner sinking, but it wasn't a matter of he thought it was going to be a cover three look and you're going there. They knew it was going to be a cover two. It's just the way the corner was able to sink because no threat underneath that makes that a tougher throw. And I think that's 
that's that's why um that play was made and and again maybe that's one where you get off that because you see that the corner sinking so much but it but it wasn't a matter of him being confused by what he saw as much as, as it was corner just was able to sink more because there's nobody underneath all right so so did number two did sitting help how he only sat for two series so when you talk around like clearly Jacoby Brissett did a nice job but um oh and also what did Eric Bieniemy talked on on Thursday about maybe there's some things he was taking for granted that he started to see he couldn't do that so I'm going to explain that in a second but with the with the um sitting part did that help well not necessarily because again you ask around like they were in a two-minute offense there it wasn't what they had been running earlier in the game so it's not like it's not like they're running the exact same stuff and now Howell can sit there and say oh in this look with that play this is where I can go because of this it was a two-minute drill situation the Rams were playing a little bit different and and it so it's not a and I always thought it was not an apples to apples situation for a variety of reasons and that's one of them and I think the way that Howell could learn is if you sat a whole game, because now you get to see how does somebody else operate the same offense against these looks. And then you can start to learn something. But in that situation, it's like, yeah, you see that he's playing with some freedom. You see this, you see he's getting the ball over here and all that, but it's not necessarily what he was running during the game to really give you an example of this is what I did. This is what he did different situation. So, but a full game, that's where you could get it. But I think, again, one of the reasons why they certainly want to keep playing with Howell is because they want to see how you bounce back. And again, it's another good defense. It's also an offense that's not very good. So you figure the game should be close. So it gives him a better idea. Maybe they can run a more balanced attack that gives him the chance to, to, um, to have a better game. Um, but again, sitting the whole game, I think would be a bigger deal and wanting to see the bounce back is another big deal that helps with the growth. Now I will say like, there's an argument to be made that if you sat him and you watch how Brissett operates, then you can see how much of it was the quarterback. Maybe it was this, maybe it was that, maybe it was just what we thought, right. Or maybe it was like, maybe it was the O-line, maybe it was this, how much, what the parts are of it. And do you get a better read on other players because of that? But the bottom line is this is still about the growth and development of Howell because you still need to see, get him the whole season, measure it all, take, put it all into the, into the pot, swirl around, see how it comes out, see how you process it after studying, after studying it and analyzing it in the off season, because you have time to do that. Regardless of who's here, the first thing a coach is going to do is <laughs> going to go over and see do they have the quarterback? What do I think of him? And this is all part of the process because you can tell like, hey, didn't he had a tough game last week? This is how he responded the following week. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks. An instant dub just for you. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M 
New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG dot com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources number three Khalid Hudson always have liked that guy and uh, you know he hasn't played and there's always so he goes out and plays the other day and has what 14 15 tackles did this against Dallas last year so why doesn't he play more well first of all he's going to play the next couple games as long as he stayed healthy because you need him to and he's done a nice job with it. Why has so why not more opportunities early? Well, first of all, they're only using two linebackers a lot of the time. But since the change, they early on they went to a lot more four-three, true four-three sets with Hudson in there, or you could use Hudson maybe in some of those Buffalo nickel roles and still be okay. But so why is he one of the things is perception. It's his perception. He's not a guy. He was not a high pick. He's not a big guy. You know, he's he's not this, you know, Jamin Davis looks like an NFL linebacker. The other guys are bigger than him. He's not a big guy. So that's going to taint your perception right there. It's a little bit like, you know, in other positions, if you're not, you don't fit this mold of a quarterback or this, you know, this spot, that spot, you know, uh, safety. Jeremy Reeves had to, to fight hard to earn that rush spot for a long time because of his size. And so I think that's part that's part of what goes on with Hudson uh, and, and, and one reason why. And, and there are some things that, you know, they all have flaws. I mean, there are some times with coverage that, you know, when we watch him in practice that he's going to get beat on against the backs or whatever. We've seen that with other guys. But that's but when you're a guy in his situation, when you when you already have a perception of him, it's going to be held more against you. And, you know, I think the other thing is he plays fast. So even with that size, so if you got that size at linebacker, you're going to be concerned. How is he going to get off blocks? Is he going to get swallowed up by the blocks? Well, what he does, what he's done well in the games where he started and played, he beats the block. He anticipates very well and he plays fast because of it. He's not perfect, but he plays fast because of it. One thing I was talking to him yesterday about this, that he used to play running back in high school. So he he feels like he's able to think more like a running back. And I think that helps him anticipate where the back is going to go based on the action of the play. And he's able to get there fast. So he's doing a nice job and he is a free agent after this year. So this is a good time for him to get a few games on film. And you can point to that Dallas game and you can point to these games. You have Dallas from last year where he played really well, point to these games as a measuring stick of where are you at? And I do know like one of the reasons why they didn't go out and pursue another linebacker is because they liked how he finished and they want to see where it went in the spring. And I think we're seeing now that he's he's a pretty good, he's good in that role he's playing and next next to Barton. But he was not, you know, with, with I think for he and Jamin, for example, I don't know that that's the combo you want because you want those guys playing fast and somebody else kind of calling the signals and being responsible for that so they can go do what they do. But anyways, that's why I think he's been doing well, but, and why he hasn't gotten those chances. Listen, it's like when Kirk Cousins was here, he's a fourth round pick. Everything for a while was kind of painted that way from the organization. Like, well, yeah, he's doing this, but he's a fourth round pick. But if you're a first round pick doing the same stuff, 
they may look at it differently than than if you're a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, whatever. And, you know, so I think that's going to always taint things a little bit and it takes them a little bit longer to get there. Curious to see how Hudson finishes because he could set himself up for not some huge payday, but maybe for a better role, whether here or next or, or somewhere else, or maybe an even more firmer role as a backup with the chance to do some more things. So anyways, just want to share that and, and, and go. So number four, a couple notes. Um, and again, I just talked about this earlier, but the defense they've been playing against have been really, really good. And that's led to some of these offensive issues. Is it really the offense regressing or they're just facing better teams and they weren't very good to begin with? And not just one position either. It's not just quarterback. So I think some of it definitely has to do with the defenses. They And the styles they play are bad match for this team. They were a good matchup against the Eagles. They, and they that's why they scored over 30 points against the Eagles both times. But these latest defenses, you're going to you're facing physical cornerbacks. You're facing strong defensive lines, and that's a tough combo for this team to beat. And and I'll get to that in a minute with the Jets. And so you know, I think what this franchise needs to get to is the ability to win multiple ways. They don't have that now. I don't even know if they can beat you one way on offense right now. But they certainly can't beat you multiple ways. It's why you have to develop that run game, especially in a division like this. And and you know, just get to this time of the year, you need to have that run game. And that's, that that's coming from the offensive line. That's coming from play calling scheme, the run run game coordinator was Juan Castillo. Like that's more than just, it's not just the enemy calling the plays. It's a whole, it's a, it's an army of folks here. Get, you know, run game coordinator, offensive line, running backs, running with patience, running the way they need to, et cetera. And, and how you're setting it up, all that stuff. But you need to get to that point, and they're not. And you need to be able to have different kind of receivers who can beat you. You know, you need to, I think this is where you say, can you add a big physical, bigger physical receiver at some point in the offseason, whether free agency or the draft at some point, to kind of balance what you have at that position um, and, and just kind of add some diversity to that attack. And that way you get maybe a little bit more ability to beat a team. I also think for, for how... It's also getting back to, and this is where I go back to what I was talking about, the taking for granted stuff with Howell. So I'm going to get segue to that right now real quick. But a lot of it was, was it, was it his footwork? Was it this or that? I think it's more about just the reminding yourself to not always have to make the big play. And I think we saw that on the interception. He turns, he turns the corner on the, on the defense. You got Antonio Gibson sitting right there in front of you for seven yards. Take it. You even had McLaurin initially open there take one of those two. They're both there, but he waited, tried to extend it, try to make a big play. Then you make a really bad play because it's a bad decision. And that's the kind of stuff that they, they don't want him taking for granted that you can just always make those plays because you can't. And it's funny because JT O'Sullivan, who does the quarterback school on YouTube is fantastic. But one of the things he talked about after the new England game was exactly that. Like he didn't like some of the process, even though the play results were good, the process he would, he was concerned about going forward because the process is going to win out and the approach will win out. And and since that game, there are sometimes we've seen where Howell's really good at the off-schedule plays and still is. And there's a line where you have to say, when can you make that off-schedule play versus when do you hang in here? He's cut down on the sacks because he's been getting out more and making more of those plays. In fact, here's a stat for you. First seven games, his sack percentage was 12 and a half. That's bad. That was second worst in the NFL in quarterbacks behind only Daniel Jones. In the last seven games where he's making some more of those off-schedule plays and getting out of the pocket, sometimes maybe a little bit early, 
but he's making better decisions with it to get out there and not being sacked. Listen, that the Gibson play I pointed out earlier is an example. He he, if he stays in there to look for the big play, you might get sacked. He took the right play, gets an eight-yard gain, no sack on a blitz. Good job. But in the, so in the last seven games, the sack percentage is 6.1%. 19 quarterbacks in the last seven games have had a worse percentage than that. So there's that's where, you know, so you getting outside the pocket. So can you hang in there sometimes a little bit more? Yes. What's the result going to be? And that's that, well, this time you should have done this. Well, this time you should have done that. It's not easy to play. That's why those guys get big money. But then I think it's more, can you get through that process of reading consistently throughout and improving there? Because that's an area of growth that he'll have to make is just some some more of that. It's what I think any quarterback who has mobility, athleticism, and can run, it's the process they all have to go through. It's why they can be valuable early because they can make plays with their legs, but ultimately you're going to win from the pocket. So can he get there? And that's something you'd like to see going forward. And, and if he can get there, and it may not happen over these next three games, may not happen to the degree they needed to midway through next year or the end of next year, but it might happen in a couple of years. Can't, what's it going to look like as he's continuing that, that climb and he can get there because we've seen it. He has thrown with anticipation at times. There were some times in the, in the preseason where they felt he was a little bit overly aggressive. And in his mind, he's like, well, I just want to see if I can make that throw. And, and, you know, because you need to learn and that's what he was doing. So I think he can get there. It's just, it's a matter of him continuing and getting more experience. So anyways, just wanted to kind of talk about that for a second. Finally, the long snapper. This is for C because I got one more thing on the game, but the Tucker Addington comes in. I was talking to Tress Way and the funny thing is about like Cam Cheeseman, they felt like he had started to get into a good rhythm as a snapper and had one of his better practices. I think it was a week or two ago and they felt they were in a good spot. And then he had a really bad game and they had to make a move. Um, so Tucker Addington comes in. He's been one of those guys who's been on the workout uh, trail a lot this off season. One of those guys who's always right there. And he was right there for these guys the first time around. And, you know, now he's here. And I think one of the benefits for him is working with a guy like Tress, who is super upbeat. And I say that and I think that's important because one, it makes a guy feel welcome. They, he's already taken, I think he already took um, Tucker out to dinner, right? And and just kind of socialize with them. That helps a guy feel comfortable. And especially when you're a long snapper, there's tends to be perfectionist. That helps. And so I think he's, I think Addington got dropped into a good spot or got signed to a good spot because of how like a guy like Tress is and Nate Catch, a special teams coach, very upbeat guy, Joey Sly, an upbeat guy. So I think it's a good spot for him. Now you just got to make the snaps because the rest of it doesn't matter if you don't make the snaps. I get it. And so there you go. That that's that's um that's the four we got there. Um, oh, and I did want to bring, because I keep getting asked about Nick Sumberg, and I know he was on, uh, I think, with Grant and Danny this week, but, and I remember talking to him at the time, there were some issues that he had with the coaching staff. The bottom line is he was hurt, and he wouldn't have been able to snap that year, and even he said he probably wouldn't have made another roster, so it's not like they cut him and then, you know, whatever. The way they handle it, you could have complete issues with, but the fact that he was cut, I mean, in his injury, his health is is why he stayed out of the league. Because I remember talking to him a year later and he was still having some issues, even though teams wanted him to come work out and just see it was still preventing him from being the kind of snapper he needed to be. Anyway, just want to clear that up. Nick was a great guy and he was a very good snapper. And it's a shame that he had so many injuries because he was very good. Um, number five, looking at the game. Um, so what do we got here? 
you know, I think what we got here is a game that's going to be difficult because the Jets defensive line and you got Quinn and Williams, who number 95, watch for him. That dude bowls people over. And you saw, I've seen that in the multiple games that I've watched with them. They have excellent corners and, and sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. They're going to be problems with him. One of the things that you hear about Gardner is very multiple in his, in, in how he uses press, uses of various techniques and uses them. Well, he's got some length, you know, he's six foot three, not a big corner. He's only 200 pounds. And I bring that up because you get, he's almost like, you know, Emmanuel Forms is a little bit miniature, more of a miniature version in terms of size of him. Gardner's a little bit bigger, but he's very thin. And, and he was, he was even thinner when he came in the league. And I think going back to Forbes, I don't know how much he's going to play this week. It'd be nice to see him more than six snaps since he is the first round pick. Right. But you know, it's not, the issue is not the size. So when people look at that, it's like he's not struggling because he's small. But I do think when you don't play with confidence as a corner, your size can stick out because you're playing a certain way. And maybe are you hesitant over here, over there? Well, if you are, then it's going to be a problem. So that's something to watch for us. But it's not he's not struggling because of his size. He's struggling because he needs to improve with his techniques. So and that's why I look at Gardner, not a big, not a not a huge corner just a very, very good corner. And they will play a lot of cover four. They're going to force you to be patient and throw underneath. Watch Miami score 30 points against them last week. You watch in the first half, most of those throws are like five-yard throws. Just move it, move it, move it. Or getting, creating some move with the motion, creating gaps and angles for the defense, which is what the Dolphins do. But they were just like, Tua would get step back, get the ball out, smokes, little screens, things like that. So See if this team can do that, if they can be patient enough against this defense, because you're going to have to be very patient. Offensively, Jets stink. I mean, they average what? Little, they're 31st in the NFL in scoring, average a little more than 12 a game. Trevor Simeon's going to start a quarterback. Brees Hall has not been, has not had, you know, he can be an explosive back, but he's not had really good numbers of late. A lot of games where he's averaging about two yards a carry. So the run game has not been there, but can this team handle it? But I still go back to the defensive side. Washington has the worst ranked defense um the jets have one of the top defenses and i think the jets defense is better this matchup is better for them than washington's is and so i think that's where you're going to go i'm going to say jets 14 13 because it's a toss-up and i think the key thing for here is how does Howell progress does he play better because if the defense plays well and all that you say well they they should the jets offense stinks but can't, how does Howell navigate against another good defense? My other concern with that is, again, I brought up the three names at the top of the show, Brian Robinson, Leno, and, and Tyler Larson. Now, are those you know those two pro bowlers? No, but you're still going with backups. And I like Cornelius Lucas. Maybe he, he's a big guy. He's good for a few games when he goes in there. He could do a nice job. But I think at center with Nick Gates, smaller guy, they do have some beef inside. They do have some quickness or some, some some power in there, and that's more their game. I think the hard part is like they can their corners are very good at covering. So it'll, if they play a lot of press against this defense against this offense, then it allows that the, that size to get through and win. And they really do a good job collapsing that pocket. So if they condense it for Hall and he can't get outside there, it's going to be a problem. So you need to move that around a little bit. You need to be some have some balance to your run game. I think they felt like they were getting that last week against the Rams. And then, you know, like it was more balanced than it had been. And then at the end, you got to go two minute. But so if they can do that with Rodriguez and Gibson, uh, then they could be okay. But I'm just concerned with that. And, you know, so there you go. 14, 13 Jets. That's what I got. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I'll talk to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, something after the game, but it, it may not run till Tuesday morning because 
Christmas folks, you know, and unless you want it right away and there's going to be some, it might be harder to get it out right away on the video, but we'll see. So check back after the game. I will have it up there. We'll, we'll try and get it up as soon as possible, but I will be back Tuesday night with a live stream show with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders. And I don't know about a film review this week because I think we're going to run out of time because it's kind of a crazy week. So see what we do, but either way, Merry Christmas. Talk to you next time. <laughs>